Welcome to Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Chattachesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by Christ in Us and Sadlier's bilingual program, Cristo in Nosotros. All children are introduced to seven strands of spirituality by some of the giants in the Catholic mystical tradition. Start your journey now at sadlierreligion.com forward slash CIU. Today, I'm chatting with a good, good friend of mine and partner in ministry, John Gaffney. He's in my diocese, the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa, which is the greatest diocese on earth, (laughs) uh, if you ask me anyway. And John is the Director of Evangelization and Catechesis for our diocese. I thought I'd bring him on because we've had some great conversation around Eucharistic renewal, and I think we all know it's in the air now that the word is out that our Bishop's Conference is going to be focusing on how do we bring people back to the Eucharist, not only to a right understanding, but to a really fruitful reception. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce John Gaffney. How are you, John? I'm great. It's good to be with you, Deacon Matt. Oh, I love having you. It's, it's, we've had a, a, gosh, I guess maybe eight, nine years together now in the diocese, and Every one of them has been very enjoyable. So glad you're on the show. Well, it's just uh, a blessing to, uh, to be here and, and uh, visit about this important topic. So tell, tell our listeners, I did, set out, I did set your title out there, Director of Evangelization Catechesis for the Diocese of Des Moines. Um, could you say a little bit about what you do and maybe specifically how you support priests and, and deacons in their ministry of catechesis? Sure. Well, Similar to many uh, of my colleagues across the country, I am blessed to be able to serve uh, mostly our parish catechetical leaders. For those who may not know what that is, uh, youth ministers, uh, religious ed directors, uh, Catholic school teachers, adult faith formation and RCIA uh, teams. So uh, with uh, helping to witness and to share Jesus uh, and and. And for pastors and, and for deacons, um, I always say that next to uh, next to bishop, I have the best job at the diocese because in our diocese, I'm blessed to be able to go out eyeball to eyeball with our, our priests and to, to see, you know, kind of that Emmaus story, what's going on and, and what are the best ways that we can partner and collaborate with our parish communities to help uh, make uh, Jesus uh, rooted in our time and place here in Southwest Iowa. You've done such a great job, John. And by the way, you didn't, to our listeners, he did not pay me to say this. You've done such a great job over the last, you know, that I've known you the last nine years or so, really uh, doing exactly what you just said, which is making priests and deacons feel like you're there to support them. Sometimes I've worked in other dioceses, the diocese comes off as big brother looking over your shoulder and priests and deacons are a little leery of that, but you've done a great job. And I'll just use the word accompanying people. So kudos to you. Oh, thank you. So enough uh, congratulations and pats on the back. Let's jump into a really uh, deep, rich, uh, important, critical, and urgent topic, which is how do we renew uh, a Eucharistic culture here in the United States? Again, if you um, are just uh, tuning in, the Bishop's Conference has really set the task for our country, the mission, the vision. We need to get people back to Eucharist. We need to get those in the pew committed even more. We need those who are out of the pew to come back. We need to find those N-O-N-E-S nuns. We need to remind them of Jesus' love. And all of this 
needs to be brought together in a wonderful reconnection and, and d- deepening of relationship with our Lord in the Eucharist. So that being said, and I'm sure every diocese is, is right now thinking about how do we do this? We were certainly going to talk about what's going on in the Diocese of Des Moines in just a moment, but let's set the stage with a big, a big question, which is, how do you renew a, a Eucharistic culture? John, take it away. Okay. Well, that's by a, the way, he that's, has full authority on this. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big question, Deacon Matt. That is, uh, I, I think it is the question du jour. You know, one of the things I think is important, I think we have to hold in tension uh, the landscape that we find ourselves in today. And we have to be bold to, to, to ask what kind of business, you know, is are our churches in, is our faith. Are, are we, uh, um, I hate to be, uh, many of the priests out there may go, oh, John Gaffney, I don't like you already. But, you know, uh, are we about protecting those people who are just gathering? Or are we really in the business uh, you know, we're not in the recruiting business. We're in the business of caring and and loving behavior, and and so uh, so we do have to keep the doors open and the lights on. But at the same time, we also have to cast this bold vision. And at the very core of of our Catholic vision is the Eucharist. Uh, and um, so there there are two things that I think have helped us here in the Diocese of Des Moines. Part of it is uh, doing that deep dive into our own landscape. But I think part of it is also to see what wisdom figures are out there, Deacon Matt, that can help us um, tackle this problem. And I think one of them that has been very helpful for me is uh, Michael Paul Gallagher. He wrote a book uh, called Clashing Symbols, An Introduction to Faith and Culture. And uh, I would I would uh, propose that that would be a great starting point for people because to understand a Eucharistic culture and, and to focus on that, we have to talk about culture, you know, meanings and beliefs, uh, values, customs, practices, and traditions. And so uh, in our church of Southwest Iowa, um, each parish possesses those three dimensions of culture. But Deacon Matt, I think this is the big question. Um, is the culture uh, that those in the community are invited into is it a Eucharistic culture? Um, and, um, and one last thought on that as we were doing kind of some uh, deep diving is Pope Emeritus Benedict uh, describes a Eucharistic culture beautifully in Sacramentum Caritatis. And I know this is a little bit long, but I think it's really important. No, it is. Go for it. Uh, go. The, yeah, the sacrament of charity, the Holy Eucharist, is the gift that Jesus Christ makes of himself thus revealing to us God's infinite love for every man and woman. This wondrous sacrament makes manifest that greater love which led him to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus did indeed love them to the end. In those words, the evangelist introduces Christ's act of immense humility. Before dying for us on the cross, he tied a towel around himself and washed the feet of his disciples. In the same way, Jesus continues in the sacrament of the Eucharist to love us to the end, even to offering us his body and his blood. What amazement must the apostles have felt in witnessing what the Lord did and said during that supper? What wonder must be must the Eucharistic ministry also awaken in our hearts? 
That's beautiful. I think uh, those beautiful words from from Pope Benedict, you certainly can't uh, do much better. Uh, but I think the point, one of the points he makes in this is that a Eucharistic culture is a culture of relationships, beginning with Christ Jesus and, and then with one another. And within that context is the dynamic of service and the humility then and empathy that's needed to really provide uh, Christ-centered service to one another. I really think, John, um, and, and this is going back to that question of building a Eucharistic culture, I really think people need to rediscover what the Eucharist means to them. And I'm not sure people even understood what it meant to begin with, other than this is a part of Mass. It's the climax. Maybe they knew that. It's the high point of Mass. Maybe they knew that everything tended towards that Eucharistic reception. But even if that, if that's all, if that's where they were and they weren't any further, then that's not going to give me the kind of anchoring I need that's going to keep me to, that's going to help me weather the storms. And there are so many storms, ideological storms, uh, social pressures, life in general, and its ups and downs, things that really push and pull and tear and challenge my faith. And I think to help them rediscover that meaning, we have to show Eucharist uh, as much as we do in the beautiful consecrated host and chalice, wine in the chalice, uh, we have to also show it in ourselves. That's what I took away from that, that beautiful quote you just read from Pope Benedict. Any thoughts about that? No, uh, in fact, uh, you're making my case for me, Deacon Matt. Awesome. Uh, because, you know, in recent years, you know, we, I, I spent a lot of my time in catechesis and kind of since the Reformation, we kind of have this formula of believing, belonging, and behaving. Mm -hmm. But, um, but as we're looking at the landscape now, and even before the pandemic, I think a lot of times we like to say, oh, well, the pandemic, and now we've got to make these changes. But we really needed to be, uh, uh, you know, at, when Pope Benedict uh, was, uh, was sharing this wisdom, uh, we needed to be thinking about it then. So, so what about if we pivot to behaving, so Christian practices, belonging, a community of faith, who live the Christian practices and, and believing how big T and little t tradition helps us understand our practices. So behaving, belonging, and believing. Uh, it's something John Roberto has shared a great deal uh, on his website, Lifelong mm -hmm. Faith. And uh, I think that's exactly where we, we do. In fact, it, it takes us back to that old uh, axiom, lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. As we worship so we believe, so we live. So it, it, it beautifully pulls together exactly what you're talking about, Deacon Matt. Yeah, I think it does. And, and those beautiful um, ancient Latin phrases, which give us a holistic view of church. You know, church isn't just in our worship. It isn't just in our attitudes and behaviors. It's also in how we live life and how we relate to one another. It brings me to the next point. Um, and we do want to get into what's going on in our diocese. But I did want to say, um, or at least ask you and see your, get your thoughts on, well, for a lot of folks, Eucharistic renewal, the, the solution right away seems to be, and we always know there's no one solution other than Christ, but it seems to be, we just need to get people, we need to have a, a more beautiful mass, we need to have more masses, we need to have more Eucharistic processions, we need to have the Eucharist out there more, and there's there's legitimacy to that, there's value to all that, and, and there's a reason for all those great suggestions. But I also think, and we look back at our Lord's life always for the example for how we do things today in our church, before we got to the Last Supper, there is a lot of 
stuff going on in the life of Jesus and those disciples. There is a lot of living context, Lex Vivende. There's a lot of relationship building. There's a lot of trust that's being built between those disciples and Jesus before he invites them to that Eucharistic supper. And I just think for, while I agree that, that, and it's clear, it's church teaching that the mass is the ultimate catechesis, it does need that pre-catechetical support, right? It, it most certainly does. It, it, you know, and I think this is where uh, we need to uh, lean into, and we're in the Diocese of Des Moines, we'll, we'll kind of look at how we see uh, in our pastoral activity those thresholds of conversion that mm. Sherry Waddell have, have shared at. So, so you look at uh, uh, trust or even pre-trust or curiosity. Um, you know, what are, uh, how are we connecting Eucharistic renewal to, to our sisters and brothers who are in those uh, areas of conversion. Uh, right. Because we tend to, um, at least how I have seen it, we tend to want to do um, uh, to those who are the intentional disciples, right. um, to, to get them back. But I think the question then is, uh, and I think of the woman in hemorrhages when I'm going to answer mm. that, that beautiful story. What, how are we challenging um, our intentional disciples uh, to enter into pastoral activity. Um, you know, uh, for example, this um, the Sunday before we tape this podcast mm -hmm. uh, is this beautiful uh, reading from Amos. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and Amos says to himself, well, wait a minute, I'm not from this line of prophets. I'm a dresser I'm, of sycamores. Uh, yeah, I'm just a dresser of sycamores. Well, how many of each of us yeah. um, uh, are in the same boat? I'm a teacher. I, I drive a truck. I, uh, um, I'm a stay-at-home mom or dad. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a professional uh, evangelist. I'm not father. I'm not sister. I'm not uh, the RE director. Um, but that's the thing is, how do we take those missionary disciples, those intentional disciples, and then send them um, uh, to, to those who are in curiosity? And that's where I think Eucharistic renewal really, um, really hits the heart, because it's kind of like that woman in, with the hemorrhages, you know, she, mm. uh, she, she reached out, but she didn't really touch Jesus's body. Mm -hmm. she, she just touched uh, the fringes of his garment. Mm -hmm. um, and, and power went out. So, so in my mind, the way Eucharistic renewal really uh, hits, and the only way it really hits, is um, if I'm focused on the Eucharist and um, spending time with Jesus, and I reach out with one hand to Jesus in the Eucharist, and I reach out to whoever is right in front of me with the other hand, I think power goes out through me, mm -hmm. from the Eucharist, through G from Jesus, through me, mm -hmm. to whoever that person is in front of me. And that's where I think Eucharistic renewal is exciting. And these times can be a very exciting time for the church. I think it goes hand in hand. As the Eucharist makes the church, the church makes the Eucharist. So to just add to what you said, and that's a wonderful example, the story of Amos from yesterday's Sunday readings. Um, and then we have the gospel also, which is a great example our Lord has just been into his hometown, Nazareth, wasn't able to do much there, but then he sends the 12 out back to the same place and they have all sorts of success and they're casting out demons and they're doing, and that's all through the power of Christ and the grace of Christ. But Jesus also knew that advancing the kingdom of God is a team sport. 
advancing the kingdom of God is, is helping people like a fisherman, Simon, or a tax collector who nobody wanted to be around, or, or Zacchaeus, or any of these people that Jesus encounters and then later mobilizes to spread the word. Uh, it, takes, it takes a village. It takes a church. And Jesus, yes, still continued his ministry through them, but he himself wasn't going to get through to those hometown people, to his home crowd. It was his disciples that were going to do that. And I think it, may, it brings us back to our conversation about Eucharist. How do we inspire and get people to believe in their own giftedness and their own role in advancing in the kingdom of God? That that has to happen if we truly are going to renew a Eucharistic culture. Well, you know, one of the areas that uh, you and I have had discussions about is a, a couple of things. First of all, uh, we need to uh, really attack the factory approach to faith formation. Mm -hmm. um, as, as you're discussing this, Deacon Matt, uh, with me, um, this only happens intentional uh, disciple to disciple. Right. Uh, again, kind of going back to what I um, am able to be blessed to do with our pastors, eyeball to eyeball. We need to do eyeball to eyeball, even if it's on Zoom, but eyeball to eyeball, intentional uh, discipleship, uh, because that's when we really get that opportunity to to share each other and share what God has done for, for me to that person who is not there yet, maybe. Uh, right. And it doesn't take that down. when When we go too big, we, we lose that intimacy. We lose that opportunity to uh, be able to, to, to kind of work. So I think that is, is one of those areas where we have to really ponder is, uh, is, is in all of our, not just kids formation, but RCIA, all of these different things. I think the other thing is equal, and that is we need to gently challenge and equip uh, the faithful for mission. We need to uh, again eyeball to eyeball, not from a from uh, uh, from the not from a distance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know uh, how many times? That little Bat Miller for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how many times do we go up to the pews and uh, and try and say, um, uh, "I need this volunteer," or "We need this," or "We need this," um, uh, rather than being that uh, uh, that Catholic uh, uh, invitation. Of, of you know you know Deacon Matt I've 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 watched you uh, share this with others and um, uh, I'd like you to uh, learn a little bit more about what we do in RCIA uh, I think there may be uh, an opportunity for to share what God has given to you for others I think we got to do that too as well I agree with you and and uh, for our listeners we we do we will be getting into shortly within a minute or two about what's going on in the diocese of Des Moines some some initiatives that are are almost beginning or are already underway to try to support this eucharistic renewal in southwest Iowa as we all as our listeners know we are a um, resource sharing podcast and a best practices podcast so we will get to that in about a minute or two uh, so please hang with the podcast uh, I do want to ask um, one other question to you, John, and I'm really fascinated to get your response to this. So you just mentioned some very defined kind of ministries like RCIA. Um, do you think that, that part of the, the difficulty we have, whether you work in the diocese um, um, as an ordained person or as a lay person, uh, is that we think in terms of those 
defined and formal settings for ministry. And therefore, we cast that vision to everybody else that if you want to get involved, it's really just within these boxes, if you will, that you can participate. Do you think maybe part of the issue is we're not expressing or sharing a vision of the harvest that Jesus talks about that needs the laborers so badly? How vast it is, how various it is, how fluid it is, or to borrow a word from the new directory, how casual catechesis can be and take place anywhere. Do you think that's that's part of the issue here too? I, I think that is a, a big part of, of the issue. I'm going to give Father Malin credit for this, but it could have been somebody else who shared this, this image. Um, right now, in many of our places, including here in the Church of Southwest Iowa, we have a bottleneck form of ministry because ministry, God's love, grace, and mercy flows through just a small amount of people officially. Right. Um, and, um, and Father Malin says, how do we move from uh, a bottleneck to a bottle opener vision? Because that bottle opener, if we equip, equip people for mission, then that opens up the opportunity for that casual catechesis. Right. And, and that happened in my own life, Deacon Matt. Uh, you know, uh, but our listeners don't know, that I did not grow up Catholic. I always think it's amazing that I ended up being the director of evangelization catechesis, this little Methodist boy from the east side of Des Moines, <laughs> Iowa. Um, but, uh, um, but as I was going through a faith crisis in my 20s, it was a, a, a Catholic colleague in my office who helped me see God's grace, love, and mercy. And so obviously somewhere along the way, someone did it. And thank God for that. Amen to that. Um, uh, John, you, you, as I said earlier, you've been such a blessing to this diocese. And um, you, you, you asked the question, kind of like Amos, how could I be here? How could I be doing this? I feel the same way about diaconate. You know, clearly, um, uh, I, I joke with people. I say they really lowered the standards when they left me <laughs> on board. But um, <laughs> at any rate, uh, happy to be here. And the Lord has used you very well. And um, I want to jump in now for our listeners. As I said, we are a resource sharing podcast, the best practices sharing podcast. Let's talk a little bit about what is being launched right now in the Diocese of Des Moines. Um, that helps to kind of begin building or reclaiming, renewing our Eucharistic culture. So in the Diocese of Des Moines, uh, we're, we're not unlike a lot of other dioceses that are, are leaning into Christian practices, especially around the Eucharist. So that rediscovery of Christian faith as a way of life and not, not just casting Catholicism as a system of beliefs. We are a system of beliefs, but how do we move into that opportunity for a, a way of life. And as we've been thinking about that, Deacon Matt, um, uh, we, we've been pondering this opportunity to, to look at what are those Christian practices that, um, because that we're thinking about this for the long haul. This isn't just a short term to get us post-pandemic people back to mass. Right. But how, do we, how do we really help people um, be able to um, absorb this Eucharistic yeah. uh, renewal, and then to be able to share it in those opportunities for casual catechesis. So as we're bringing people back, uh, shifting into these Christian practices. So uh, a couple I'll just throw out, Deacon Matt, is, you know, practices about paying attention to God. You know, involve, uh, this kind of involves attending 
to our relationship with God. Spending time in that relationship, whether it's an adoration or helping uh, uh, people discern the movement of the spirit in their life, being intentional and thoughtful uh, uh, about that movement, valuing it I, and, and enjoying it, you know, paying attention to our relationship with God mm-hmm. shapes us, it forms us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, so that's, uh, I think that's one of those areas. It's not just the opportunity for adoration, but um but, but expanding that to say, um, as, as you're having this opportunity, um, how are you paying attention to this moment with God? And how is that shaping you? How is that forming you? And how is that sending you out? And I think particularly, um, j- just an aside real quick, uh, are you in a certification program to be a spiritual director, John? No, I, you know, I did spiritual direction before I joined the Diocese of Des Moines. Yeah. And then, as you know, spiritual direction, uh, there, there's a lot of prep time yes. uh, before yes. you spend time with your directee. And I was just fearful that, uh, that I would be uh, um, not be able to be at my best for my spiritual directee. So I kind of gave that up. Well, the only reason I asked was because I love how you let off with paying attention to God in our lives. And the way you describe that are those pre- kinds of practices, you know, the informal or formal ways, you know, public devotions, private, uh, private time could be liturgy of the hours, could be the mass readings, could be just saying the name of Jesus, whatever it is. But you talked about it in a way like a, a spiritual director would talk. It was very much um, you were talking to somebody and guiding them to kind of see where God is in their life. And it made me think about if our diocese is going to really be serious about helping people pay attention to God, then the question is, how will we accompany them to do that? Right. Who's going to, and that for Francis, enjoy the gospel. When you, when you first launched that word, uh, even though it has a a previous history, uh, he really had that idea of the spiritual companion. Um, So it just rang so true. And I just wanted to make that, that, that question, throw, throw that question out there, you know, how will that person who's discovering or paying attention to their relationship with God, how will they be accompanied in that process? Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, um, one of our other tasks is to, uh, to, to look at how we equip uh, faithful for mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as we're going to do that, we're going to overlay kind of in our formation pathway, a little bit of insight from Sherry Waddell's uh, thresholds of conversion. So in, in the example you just shared, Deacon Matt, um, in that initial trust, mm-hmm. uh, imagine uh, as we're helping form leaders, clergy and laity uh, for mission, um, helping leaders in the art of accompaniment, in authentic relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that's a key part. So, so again, as we're also focusing in on those practices of worship, of adoration, mm-hmm. uh, focusing on the Eucharist, um, how does that um, send us to 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 others, and 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 what do we need to be equipped for that? And I don't think there's anything more important than to equip many people uh, in the art of accompaniment. So, what else is going on? We talked. We just mentioned a great uh, task, a practice, uh, helping people to pay attention to the relationship with God. What else is uh, is brewing right now in our diocese? Well. So along with paying attention to God, uh, another area of focus uh, is that practices about the formation of the Christian identity. Uh, so, so uh, and this isn't a checklist, Deacon Matt. This isn't, okay, you do this. Oh, this, I love this. checklists. I'm German. I want to get everything <laughs> checked off and do it efficiently. 
Yeah. I know. Well, uh, I want to be you know, it's in God's time, not uh, Deacon Matt's time. But, you know, um, really, when we talk about the Christian identity, it's leaning into transformation, that transformation identity from an identity given by the world. I think this is where we really have an impact in Eucharistic culture, that transformation from that, what the world says I am, to that identity that God has implanted on us, that has given to us in Christ. So the Christian life is about conversion, a continuing process that goes through, the, you know, the course of the Christian life. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so we need to do both and at the same time. We need to, to, to not only have those many opportunities for God's grace, love, and mercy to pour down upon us abundantly, but we also need to allow those opportunities to transform us. Mm-hmm. You've already mentioned quite a number of resources. You mentioned Sherry Waddell. You mentioned John Roberto, Lifelong Faith. Um, you mentioned the book right off the bat from Gallagher. And we'd like to link to those things. Uh, as, as the diocese, our diocese moves forward with these uh, Eucharistic renewal re- um, initiatives. Uh, when there are resources that are kind of concrete, whether it's a book or a PDF or, or something like that, would you let me know? Because I'd love to to put those links to this particular podcast episode. Uh, most certainly, because there there are um, you know no one particular book ha- or or resource has everything. And right. I think this is this is another point, Deacon Matt. And I'd ask you to do the same thing, and your listeners to do the same thing. And that is, uh, we're all in this together. We need to, so I love these podcasts. I love these opportunities to learn from your, uh, uh, from those who are doing these podcasts with you. But it, uh, there's a little bit, you know, a little bit of Father Mal and I, I've been captivated by Divine Renovation Beyond the Parish. Uh, and there's things in his YouTube videos that they're doing. Of course, Sherry Waddell. But I think the thing of it is, uh, what we try and do is say, but who is, the diocese of Southwest Iowa, mm-hmm. and how do we um, how do we take this wisdom and um, and help transform the diocese person to person? Yeah, definitely. We have here. Um, let's see, one more minute, really, and actually two minutes. We're doing really well. Uh, I'd like to just throw one last thought out to you and to get your feedback, and then I'd like to have you. Um, we'll, we'll end with thank yous, and I'd love to get your blessing. Uh, for myself and our listeners. So um, Eucharist is Thanksgiving. Another challenge, I think, to to renewing a Eucharistic culture is to help people remind, help people discover or rediscover what they're thankful for and see that thankfulness in the light of Christ's generosity. Um, There are so many challenges right now to people finding and rediscovering that thankfulness. Uh, How do you see us helping in, in that regard? You know, Deacon Matt, I love how John Roberto put this. Um, He says practices, um, so uh, our Eucharist, understanding of Eucharist, are about nourishment. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not simply something we do. Rather, it nourishes us. Even as the practice is about paying attention to God, it also nourishes us, it nurtures us. And so as we, you know, just as we're thankful for a good meal, we're thankful for great friends and family. Um, when Jesus comes to us in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity, um, we not only are thankful in gratitude, but how do we pay that gratitude forward? Mm-hmm. I think that is, 
is the key for Eucharistic renewal is passing it on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just showing it. And, and to use, I have a, our listeners know I've got six kids, our littlest are three. They're learning if you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. Why not show it? That'd be helpful. You know, as Pope Francis said, we don't need any sourpusses in our church. That's not going to attract anybody. All right. Thank you so much, Mr. John Gaffney. We've been chatting with you, the Diocese of Des Moines, Director of Evangelization and Catechesis. Thank you for being on our show. Oh, it's been a great honor. Thank you. And I'd like to close out, as I always do, asking my guest for a blessing for myself and our listeners. Okay. Well, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord, our God, you call your people to be your church. And as we gather together in your name, may we love, honor, and follow your Son to eternal life in the kingdom he promises. Let our worship always be sincere and help us find your saving love in the church and its sacraments. May we be effective witnesses to the gospel and make your church a living presence in the midst of the world. Increase the gifts you've given your church that we, your people, may continue to grow in holiness and in imitation of your beloved son. And may God bless all of us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you heard that ringer, that meant time's up, but we're not going to stop in the middle of prayer. So thank you so much, John, for your blessing. Thank you for your time. And thank you for the good work you're doing in the Southwest Iowa. Thank you. All right. That's been, this has been another episode of Chattachesis. I've been your host, Deacon Matt Hallback. I look forward to chatting with you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattachesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ in Us and our bilingual edition, Christo and Nosotros, at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU.